Welcome to What the Bump. My name is Jen. And I'm Mariana. We are former labor and delivery nurses who felt called to step away from the bedside after having babies of our own to be full-time birth doulas. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and everything in between. Join us here every Wednesday for a new episode. Welcome to another episode of What the Bump. We have Liz on the podcast to share her birth story. I'm super excited because I was at Liz's birth. I was her doula and I love when my clients come and tell their stories because while I was there and sometimes I feel like I remember a lot of details that they even don't. So it's super fun. So thanks for being here, Liz, and for sharing your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Okay, start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I have a son that just turned two and our baby whose birth story we're going to be talking about is about five months old. Um, My husband, Connor, is from North Carolina. I'm from Delaware. And yeah, I just, I love birth. I love pregnancy and I love babies and mamas and all the things. So I'm excited, (laughs) excited to talk about it. I cannot believe he's five months. That like makes me want to kind of throw up. (laughs) I know. I know. It feels like yesterday that I was laying in bed. I'm actually like doing the math in my head. I feel like you had him like three months. I would believe you. Yeah. Five. I feel like you're lying. November 20th. I know. It's crazy. It flies by. Oh my goodness. Is he still in your guys' room? He is. Yeah. Yeah, girl. Don't. (laughs) <laughs> don't rush it don't rush yeah it. with our first we really did rush it we had him in his crib in his nursery at like two weeks which I know is crazy oh but I was gosh. like trying to be like follow this whole schedule and I remember this story. yeah so now I was like I'm gonna do this one different and we'll just wait until we're ready and he's still he slept he slept through the night really early but then he started waking up again like after he started sleeping through the night. So I told my husband, once he's sleeping through the night again, I'll put him in his room, but it's just easier to be able to like reach over and grab him when he wants to eat now. So yeah, it is. It's so much easier than like getting up and getting out of bed and walking to another room. So mm-hmm. I, I totally said, you know, he's going to have his whole life to sleep in his own room. So yeah, agreed. <laughs> agreed. It's, it's sweet to have him close by. Yes. So we're going to talk about your second birth story, but give us a like quick recap of your first birth short and sweet and tell us how that went pregnancy yeah. at, at throw a little bit of like end of pregnancy in there too okay cool yeah so with our first son um we I was using mid like hospital midwives certified nurse midwives so we were um planning on having him at the hospital and towards the end of my pregnancy my blood pressure got pretty high so they had me coming in I think it was like around 36 weeks that they noticed it and were a little bit concerned so they had me coming in like all the time to get my blood pressure checked and do, um, was it, what's the test that I do is the non-stress test mm-hmm. where they just like put you on the monitor and yeah, like, yeah. baby. Yep. Yeah. So they were doing that quite a bit at the end, which was kind of stressful for me because I really wanted an unmedicated birth with like not a lot of interventions. And I could tell they were starting to like hint at like, Oh, we might want to look at inducing you if your blood pressure gets over X, Y, Z. So it was definitely a stressful couple of weeks, but I made it to 38 weeks with him and, um, I guess 38 and four, I think it was. And then I started having contractions, went to the hospital, had him at the hospital, but was able to do it without medication. So that was kind of the goal, which was nice, um, that it all worked out, but yeah, it was a little bit of a stressful end of pregnancy because of that. Yeah. The blood pressures for sure. 
All right. So let's get into your second pregnancy and second birth, starting from like the very beginning, the second time around finding out you were pregnant. Were you guys trying? Were you not? And how did you actually find out? How did you tell your husband? So yeah, we, our, (laughs) our son was only like mm, 10, 10 months old, I guess when we got pregnant and we knew we wanted another kid, at least another baby. Um, and let me think, oh my gosh, this is kind of foggy. So (laughs) we opened the door to it, but it took us like four or five months to get pregnant with our first son. So we were thinking it would be similar with the second one. So I was like, well, if we open the door to it now, then like maybe we'll be pregnant in like, you know, a few months, six months, a year, which I felt more like manageable, I think. And we got pregnant like the first month. So we, I guess you could say we were trying, but we didn't like think it would work immediately. Right. Um, so that was, yeah. So I found out I was pregnant. I wasn't even, it's funny. Cause with my first, I was testing like as early as you could test. Cause yeah. we were like, you know, actively trying like month after month. So like, as soon as that window came, I was like taking a pregnancy test. Whereas with this one, I wasn't even on my radar. Cause I didn't think we would get, I, I just, I didn't think of it as like, Oh, we're, it's going to happen once we like open the door to it being a possibility. So I was sitting at my desk my assistant was actually with me in my like home office at the time and work was a little bit stressful. It had been that week. So like I, and sometimes this is going to sound so dramatic, but like sometimes I get a little bit like nauseous when work is super stressful. Totally. And I threw up that morning and I was like, I guess I'm just like really stressed, but that's weird. Cause I've never thrown up from work stress. I've like been nauseous, but not actually thrown up. And then I threw up again like two hours later. And I was like, what is going on? And I had like a leftover pregnancy test from when I was trying to get pregnant with Cohen, our first son. So I thought, and I was like, oh my gosh, could I be pregnant? So I run upstairs, take the test, come downstairs, throw it on my desk, keep working, like forget about it. Yeah. And then at one point look over and it it was one of the ones that actually (laughs) says like pregnant and I saw pregnant and I like immediately started like weeping. Like, like you were like pissed or like, I was just like so overwhelmed. And we yeah. also like side note had put an offer in on a house that day. So we were That's like a lot that- of pressure. Yeah. You know, like I, that was something I wasn't even like feeling super sure about. So I was like already stressed about that piece of things. So yeah, when I saw the pregnant, I was like, oh my gosh, can we even manage all of this right now? Like, this is too much. But at the same time, you know, I was like happy. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I wish it was negative, but I definitely didn't expect it. So I, funny, this is kind of a funny piece of the story. I thought, I had thought I was pregnant even earlier when we weren't trying at all. Mm -hmm. I forget, I forget like the circumstances around it, but I like really thought I was, and I'd ordered this little onesie for Cohen that said like, I'm still little, but I'm going to be a big brother or something like that. Yeah. And it came and then I like ended up getting my period and I obviously wasn't pregnant. So I like stuck it in a drawer and was like, well, that was a waste of money. So, and it had, they sent me the wrong size. I ordered it in six months and they had sent me nine months, mm-hmm. which is another weird, the like Lord detail. knew. Yeah. So then when I actually got that positive pregnancy test, I was like, oh, I think I still have that onesie. And I like dug in the drawer and found it and it fit him perfectly. So I put it on him. And when Connor got home from work that day, he had the little onesie on and yeah, that is so cute. Wait, yeah. so did it like take him? A, like, I feel like my husband would take hours and I'd literally <laughs> have to be like, Hey, did you read his shirt? Like, yeah, well, it's actually, 
there's a little bit more to it. So I had told our nanny that she could leave early that day because I just wanted it to be like just us when he found out. So which is like I that normally like wouldn't happen, especially with where work was at the time. And like Connor knows that. So our nanny was gone. It was probably like right at five. And I wasn't in my office. I was upstairs with Cohen because I was like waiting for him to come up to like, you know. So when he came up, he like he knew something was yeah he was like you're not in your office the nanny's not here like what's going on and then he like looked at Cohen and he was like oh I actually have it on video it was sweet um but yeah I think that he was looking for something because he was like none of this adds up like you're never like not in your office at 5 p.m he was suspicious yeah that's amazing though that's so cute that how all that like played out timeline and and worked out that's so cute yeah yeah no it was the whole onesie thing was like really bizarre because like I said it was I never went back on birth control after my first because I just never wanted to but we were like timing everything in a way that like I wasn't worried about getting pregnant so when I thought I was whenever that like around the time that he was six months I was I I don't even I don't even remember if I took a test like it's weird that I would have ordered it without taking a test but I did because I had it yeah so interesting. Yeah. All right. So take us through your pregnancy. How was it? Especially when you like think back kind of to, to your pregnancy with Cohen. Um, was it smooth? Did you have bumps in the road? How were you feeling? Yeah, it was smooth. I um I was sick earlier with Landon. Landon's our second son. I was not really, really nauseous in hindsight, like at like three weeks which I thought was bizarre because with Cohen I don't think I had any nausea set in until I was probably eight weeks right and once I found out I was pregnant I looked back and realized like I have kind of been feeling a little bit nauseous and it wasn't just stress related clearly and I started getting migraines really early with Landon which Cohen I had migraines my second trimester but not at all in my first so when I started getting the migraines really early first trimester I was like oh boy I am in for it um but they ended up not really being too bad the rest of the pregnancy so that was a little bit different and let's see I was definitely exhausted but once I got past the migraines in the very very beginning and the nausea I feel like the pregnancies are super similar like I feel like I gained the same amount of weight I carried similarly mm-hmm. um I don't think I had as many food aversions with Landon. I had a ton of food aversions with Cohen. I couldn't look at meat the entire pregnancy. Yeah. But with Landon, I still I... feel like that at like 35 weeks. Like I like have to choke down, which is bad. It makes me want to eat really unhealthy. Oh yeah. No, that but was meat me is Cohen. just not, it's just not it when you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah. It just did not appeal at all mm-hmm. to me, with, but I never really had the aversions with Landon. So Okay. I know every pregnancy is different, but that was, that was something I craved a lot of dairy, milk, cottage cheese, random yeah. yogurt with Cohen and with Landon. I don't feel like that was as strong. I still wanted a lot of milk, but I wasn't like crushing the yogurt and cottage cheese in the same way. That's so funny. Okay. So then kind of coming up on the end of, end of your pregnancy, you obviously were planning for a somewhat similar birth in the fact that you wanted, you know, a natural birth again, an unmedicated birth, but you had a bigger switch in there. So talk about that a little bit, like what your plan was originally and then the transition that you made and why you made it. Yeah. So I 
originally was planning on keeping like the midwives the same at the hospital or the practice I was going to and then having Landon at the same hospital where I had Cohen and honestly overall I did have like a really good experience I had um, Cohen at Presbyterian in Charlotte and like I loved loved my nurses loved the midwives don't really have anything to complain about I even tell people all the time I even thought the food was good so I really like it's a good place out of all the hospitals it's a good place yeah um but I so with my first son the doula that I had hired on she also like a traditional midwife so when I was pregnant with Landon you actually were part of the reason this is like a convoluted how I got here but I (laughs) honestly I don't even know if I ever told you that but I so I was pregnant with Landon you were my doula and I went to like one of my appointments it was probably early 20 weeks time frame I don't remember exactly which ultrasound but the baby was breech and I have a lot of girlfriends who've had breech babies who all had c-sections and I really 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 didn't want a c-section and I know that's still early and he had time to flip but I got in my head about it and was like what if he doesn't flip? Like, you know, there's the version route, but then you kind of read and hear scary things about that. Or some people rave about it. So it's just like, you don't really know, you know, what to move or what have options if you stayed where you were. Right. Right. And I really didn't want to have a C-section. So I remember texting you about it and being like, Hey, I know it's still early and he has time, but like, is there anything I should be doing? And you sent me all of the like different spinning babies things and like resources on like what I could be doing. But, you know, you were like, don't worry. Like there's still plenty of time. And if he doesn't flip, you could look into like other, you know, options. And you weren't, I don't think you said home birth, but then you sent me Dr. Stu's podcast. Mm -hmm. And then I started listening to that. And then I was like, man, I guess if he stayed breech, maybe I would want to consider a home birth. And I've like known about home birth because I've I've like always had a passion about birth. So I've like watched a lot of documentaries about home birth and things like that. But I just never felt like I hate to use the word brave, but I kind of felt like I was just like not brave enough to do it. Like it was yeah. too scary and too like, you know, to be out of a hospital. So we're we're really listen. made we are so trained to think that um the hospital is the safest place to give birth. And and in reality, if you look at statistics for, you know, low risk women with normal pregnancies, um, the hospital is actually doesn't have better outcomes than home birth. You know, home birth actually is technically the safer place to give birth. If you look at the outcomes that they have among um, women and babies. So you could go back and forth and, you know, um, home birth is not for everybody totally, but it is a beautiful, amazing option. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think that's just something that most people aren't like what it's only like 1.2% of people in the U S have home births. I think yeah. I might be like, which is crazy. You look at other countries, especially like even, um, I have a client who's from the Netherlands and her, um, I just saw her postpartum and her mom was like, oh yeah, everybody in the Netherlands has home births. Like, it's like weird to go to the hospital there unless you're yeah. like sick, pregnant or, you know, need an intervention or whatever. Like, it's like the home birth is their normal. And then the hospital is kind of like there for the women who only need it. Um, it's crazy, crazy, crazy how we have this warped misconception that home birth is like, you know, this backyard unsafe, like people birthing out in the trees with no like 
equipment and no trained professionals. That's what we view home birth like in America. And that is the furthest thing from the truth of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could not agree more. And once I started listening to the podcast he sent me, Dr. Sue's podcast, mm-hmm. I really started. And then I think I started, like, I looked up a couple other home birth podcasts. I think you told me about doing it at home. Yep. And I already follow like, a, like a lot of like midwives and, and doulas who do a lot of home birth. So after all of that, I felt like I was like compiling research and then I like took it to my husband and I was like, so what are your thoughts on if we were to have Landon at home and not in the hospital? And his first reaction was like, if, if anything happened, we would never forgive ourselves. That was his first thing I'll never forget. And then the second thing was, wouldn't it be really messy? <laughs> um, so I kind of like addressed, you know, the first thing is like valid, like, yeah, that's something to think about, but you know, we can't control all the outcomes in the hospital either. And there are a lot of pros to giving birth at home that, you know, could, like you just said, could make it safer than the hospital in a lot of ways, even though that's not what we're told or like what anything, you know, unless you're really researching yourself, you're not going to find that. So the more he started researching it and I had him listen to some of the podcasts and things like that, he was totally on board. He was like, as long as it's what you want to do and you're comfortable with it, then I trust you. And I trust the team that we have. So um, yeah, so then he was really on board too. So I, I'm trying to remember, I guess all that to say you sending me that stuff being like, well, there would be other options open my mind to like, well, if I'm willing to have a breech baby at home, why would I not be willing to have a head down baby at home? Yes. Because in theory that should be easier. Um, so that got in my head and that's when I really started being like, okay, I really want to look into this and seriously consider it. So jump back to my previous doula, who was also a midwife. I sat down with her. We like met up for tea one morning and I just told her everything I was thinking and, you know, concerns, questions that I had about the home birth way of doing things. And she answered all of them. And I left that feeling pretty confident. I told her I would have an answer to her by like, the next week, this was a, maybe a Friday by the next week, because I was pretty far along at this point. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but I want to say I was maybe like 28 weeks, maybe even 30. I, I was going to say you were right around 30. Yeah, it was, Which, it was truthfully. I mean, people probably make that switch a lot later too, but it was definitely something we were like, okay, let's figure this out and nail it down so we can get ready. Yeah. Yeah. So and I remember calling you at one point too, and just asking your opinion and you were like all for it, which made me feel excited about it too. So yeah, fast forward. And that was the plan. And then we were, I was ordering a birth kit and all the home stuff and the birthing, I guess my midwife brought me the birthing pool, but I had like, you know, the liner and like all those little things that you have to kind of get in place. And you had such like a, I remember telling you over and over again, I was like, you have just like I don't want to say that like a first time mom who doesn't have a picture perfect, you know, birth team can't have a home birth. You can, um, of course people even free birth and I'm not recommending that, but you had such, like you had so much in your favor, let's say. Um, whereas when you asked me my opinion, normally I'm like, you know, it's whatever you feel comfortable with. And of course I was telling you that too, but I was like, you just, it makes sense for you. It's your second baby. You've already done this once Cohen was, you know, Cohen was a fast birth and, Mm -hmm. you know, relatively smooth and easy for how birth goes with first babies. Um, you did it unmedicated. You knew what to expect. 
you had a midwife who you already knew who had been your doula, who you had just such a great relationship with. And that relationship between a doula and a client and a midwife and a client is what keeps you the safest. You know, when your birth team knows you, we can recognize when you're not at your, at a normal part of birth, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So you had like a great birth team with, you know, a midwife who's you've known for a long time, who's with you throughout your first pregnancy with me, who like even has an L and D nurse background, which of course it became a little bit helpful too. Um, Yeah. And honestly, that, that was one thing that made me also feel super safe. Like people would ask me about it and they'd be like, Oh, home birth. And I'd be like, yeah, my jeweler was a labor and delivery nurse. <laughs> it was like this. Extra and not that I like- was like practicing as a nurse, but you know, it does, it, it does give you like, I have seen a lot. I am NRP certified, obviously. So an NRP is a uh, neonatal resuscitation, but so is your midwife NRP certified. They carry all the resuscitation equipment that a baby could need. Um, at least, you know, the, the, the most of it, um, they carry, you know, a Pitocin, Cytotec, all the emergency hemorrhage medication. So, you know, the only thing you don't have at home is a NICU and an OR, but how often do we use those in birth for a normal pregnancy? Not often at all. And sometimes when we use them, I kind of want to say the hospital might be causing us to need to use them too. Right. Um, So you had so much that it just like really made sense. And it was just, I think it, it was a really good choice for you and you were really excited and um, yeah, it was a really smooth, easy transition too. And even your hospital midwives were supportive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that Yeah. That's, that's true too. I did. So I knew that two of the midwives I was seeing, cause I would like rotate between them. Two of them I knew had home births themselves, which just made me feel like if these like certified nurse midwives who, you know, help women, every day through pregnancy and birth chose themselves to have babies at home, then it can't be this like terrible, you know, and I know, like, like you said, it's not for everyone. I know if it's any high risk situation, like it's not worth, you know, doing it that way, but in a situation where it's low risk and there's no concern and I'd had a vaginal birth before unmedicated after I talked through it with them, they were like, yeah, if you want to, as long as things continue to be smooth, if you want to have him at home like we totally support that and and they were very clear to be like you know we're here if anything happens like you know you have care with us established so you can always come and come right in to triage and it just it felt very like cohesive like I felt like I had support from all angles I felt like if we did need to transfer it wouldn't you know I wouldn't be like shamed because they were supportive of it in the first place so it was just like I feel like everything came together in a way that made me feel very much at peace about the decision. Yeah. And that's hard to find in a state like North Carolina, especially because people who are listening to this, who live in North Carolina are probably thinking like, oh my God, they had an illegal home birth, but um, that's not actually the truth of it. North Carolina, um, it is legal for you to have a home birth. Liz is not breaking the law by having her baby at home. I've talked about on this podcast, I'm 35 weeks pregnant. I'm having my baby at home. Um, it's not illegal for us to have our babies at home. You are free to birth wherever you want. I could walk out in my backyard and well, I mean, that might be like public exposure, but whatever (laughs) I could birth, you know, anywhere I wanted technically. Um, what is illegal in North Carolina is just the fact that CPMs. So a certified professional midwife, a lay, lay midwife is another term, traditional midwife, anything outside of a certified nurse midwife is not recognized by the state. So technically, Um, these midwives are practicing 
you know, midwifery um, in a, in a state that doesn't recognize them. And that's the part that is more illegal than you just having a home birth. You can have a home birth. Many midwives will stick their necks out and um, they're risking their license and their well-being to support you because they believe in this. And hopefully that will change. You can go right over the border, 40 minutes to South Carolina and home birth is completely legal there. All types of midwives, um, you know, CPMs are recognized. They attend home births, um, but you cross the border into Charlotte or North Carolina and it all changes. So there's actually just a big rally about all this. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, I did. Very exciting. They're trying to kind of get all that legislation to change and get these midwives to be recognized by the state, which would be amazing, but it doesn't stop them. Um, So just to clear that, you know, people, I get asked all the time, oh my God, you're having a home birth. That's illegal. I'm like, no, it's actually not. Um, It's not illegal for me to do it. Um, so yeah, just to clarify that. And that's why it's so cool that you have this cohesive care because it can be really hard to find that in a state like North Carolina. And it does more harm than good. People are going to have home births. People are Mm going to birth their babies at home. But when you have this line in the sand where the hospital is not supportive of it, um, those situations where we do have to transfer a mom now become really messy and kind of sketchy. And, you know, the midwife doesn't want to say who she is or give the history of what's actually going on. So we have to lie and mm-hmm. smudge things and and help them understand with keeping everybody safe in this situation. And that is the worst part of it. Um, whereas in states that it's legal, you just transfer somebody and the midwife goes with you and says, hey, yeah, I'm the midwife. We were having a home birth. Here's why we're here to transfer because, you know, she's not dilating. She wants epidural to get some rest or whatever it may be. And it's like so much more transparent and safe for that woman at that point. But Side yeah. note on home birth. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I mean, it really is such, it's so disappointing that there's not a way for people to do it like above board, if you will, to put midwives in a position to where, you know, it has to be like the secret because people should be able to choose. I mean, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Like I, I loved our home birth and I would do it again and again over having a baby in a hospital. But when my friends like want a plan C-section or want an epidural, like, that's totally great and fine and whatever you want to do, but you should be able to choose what you want to do and like have the resources to do it that way. Totally. Hospital birth is a great option. As long as you are aware of all the risks and benefits and home birth is a great option. As long as you're aware of all the risks and benefits, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, It really should be completely your choice on, on where you birth your baby. Everybody wants different things. And that's why it's amazing that, you know, birth centers too, you know, we can Mm -hmm. cater to all these, all people who want different types of births. Yeah. Um, okay. So walk us through your labor, how you went into labor and how it progressed. So I was a little something about my due date. I based oh, on yeah. like, I had, I had been tracking everything. Cause like I said, I didn't go back on birth control. So like right after my son was born, pretty much like as soon as I got my period back, I started tracking everything. So I knew like when I was ovulating and all that stuff. So when I got pregnant, went in for my first appointment, I knew exactly like what day my last, you know, when my last period was first day, last day, like around when I had ovulated the days that we had like had sex, like all of that was documented in an app. So when they asked me and I told them they did the first ultrasound, they were like, oh, well, the baby's measuring like 10 days behind your date. So come back in 10 days and we'll do another one. I did. And it was the same, but he was growing at the right pace, but because of the difference, they changed my due date. So my due date was November 19th based on my dates. And I think they pushed it to like November 27th or something, if that sounds right. Um, or 29th, something like that, the very end of November. 
So I really didn't know what to expect as far as when he was going to come because now it was this wide window mm-hmm. of is it the 19th? Is it the 29th? So it's a pretty huge difference, especially when you're like 40 weeks pregnant at the end of your pregnancy and you're ready for that baby to come out. I know you remember. I was like dying <laughs> as soon as I got around the two weeks within the 19th because my first son came two weeks early. So I mentally was thinking this one would come two weeks early. So when I got to two weeks from the 19th date, I was ready. But then I was also thinking, oh my gosh, if it's not until the 29th, I'm like a month away from having this baby. <laughs> like four weeks. Oh no. Yeah. So I got to the 19th. Funny enough, is also my husband's birthday. So on the 19th, we went out to dinner. And I mean, every night for like a week or two, I had been like, maybe it's going to be today. Maybe it's going to be tomorrow. So we go out to dinner on the 19th and come home. And at that point, I kind of just accepted, like, I'm not even going to like have my hopes up because it's a, it hasn't happened yet. So at this rate, it's probably going to be, you know, November 29th. So we went to, or we got home from dinner and I started having what I felt like were contractions, but I had had some, like, I had Braxton Hicks like through from 25 weeks. So that I, I know what that feels like, but I'd also had some false labor probably earlier that week where it was really like, it felt like a contraction and not Braxton Hicks and nothing came from that. So I was trying again, not to get like super hyped up that it was happening. But on that night, the contractions were very consistent, like how far apart they were. And my whole stomach was getting hard and tight, which I feel like it was the first time I really experienced that with this pregnancy. I told Connor, I was like, I really think that this is it, but I'm just, you know, they weren't painful or anything. So I was like, I'm just going to go to sleep and try I think I texted you too. And my midwife and everybody, you know, had the same advice, like try to get sleep and let us know when things, if, and when things ramp up. So I woke up at six, 30 ish the next morning and stood up and was like waiting like okay am I gonna feel the <laughs> contractions or not and they like kept coming and probably around seven they really picked up and I knew at that point like this is definitely labor because it was getting intense fast they were like four to five minutes apart pretty much I think it was like around from 7 a.m on and I could still, I was walking around, we had our oldest son, I was feeding him breakfast and like walking around the kitchen, but I was having to start breathing through them. And then I don't remember what time I texted, it's probably like eight, eight, maybe I texted you and my midwife and told you both, like, I think this it's on, like, this is, I think I sent you a screenshot of my contraction mm-hmm. timer thing. So you could see like how long they were and how far apart. And then I called you or you called me, I don't remember, but you, I think you could tell from like our phone call that things were getting pretty real. Yeah. I don't remember what time I came to you. I think it was, a- it was right after it was like, I called you, right? I think it was like nine. nine I want to say I got to you at like nine 30. Yeah. Yeah. I think you sent me that and I called you. Cause I was like, Oh, let me listen. And I knew you had a quicker birth with your first and it was your second and they were close in age. Um, and you were like, no, don't come yet. And I was like, I'm going to come. <laughs> yeah. I think I was just like thinking there's no way it's going to be that fast because like it almost felt too good to be true that it would happen yeah. super quickly. So I, and I didn't want everyone to be sitting around. Yeah. You hear about people yes. just like sitting around for hours and hours and hours and then you stall and then everyone goes home. So I, I guess maybe I just didn't want to like jinx it, but yeah. Um, I'm glad you came when you did because it was probably right around nine or so I had like a little bit of bloody show it wasn't anything super intense but it was definitely enough to like I hadn't had any of that before so I knew that there was definitely cervical changes going on 
And then, yeah, you got here first, like around 9, 930. And at that point, I think I was probably close to transition because I was like getting shaky. I remember sitting on the end of the bed and like my arms were kind of shaking. And I remember I got emotional, which happened when I was in transition with my first son. I just started crying. And it wasn't because I was like scared or or, like it wasn't pain related. It was just like overwhelm. Um, I remember I walked in and looked at you and you just started bawling. And I was like, what's going on? What's going on? (laughs) I was like, are you afraid? You're okay. You're safe. And you were like, no, I'm just emotional. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And our son was there for like this whole first part of it from like 7am till whenever, I don't remember when my friend got to our house to take him into the playroom. But I mean, he was with me for a lot of that, which was sweet because he like wasn't even phased. Like I was full on like doing like, you know, full on breathing and like horse split breathing. And he was just like looking at me and laughing like he was on (laughs) phase. Um. So yeah, so you got there and then my midwife got there shortly after and she was just like very quiet, like setting up her stuff, like barely even like talked, like she was just like giving me like, you know, the space to like do my thing. And let's see, I like I was sitting on the end of the bed for a little while and just like gripping my knees. I remember that was like the position I felt like I was like bracing myself and like breathing through the contractions. Thank goodness I did more. You sent me YouTube videos on like different breathwork techniques and I actually practice I remember laying in the bath when I was pregnant like practicing them with the YouTube videos which I never did with my first son and it, it made a world of difference just having somewhere to put that energy and like physically like release versus just like tensing up and like you know kind of like I feel like the breathing helped me to lean into the contraction and not like fight against it yeah so did that you had me sit on the toilet at one point and I don't remember how many contractions were there, but I had some contractions there. And then I got in the shower and that's when things were really ramped up. I was on like hands and knees in the shower. And I just remember that's when I lost control of like what I was, what my body was doing. And I kind of started bearing down and then the tub was already, or the birth pool was already being filled up. And then I quickly moved to that and this was all between what nine thirty and eleven. Yeah, yeah. Because what time was he born? Like eleven fourteen, I think. Yeah. So yeah, it was all two hours. <laughs> yeah, like so fast. And I think that part of it, I was just so shocked that it was happening so fast because my first son, although I mean seven hours is fast for a first, it still like felt like so much longer. And I was like pushing for a long time, over forty five minutes, which felt like a long time. And just felt like the contractions lasted forever. And with Landon, it was just like so abbreviated. Yes. <laughs> Which I think made it more intense, but yeah, it was nice that it was over faster too. <laughs> yeah. You were in the shower and you started bearing down and your midwife was downstairs and I was like, oh gosh. And like I said, I knew like, I knew this baby was going to come quickly. So I like remember peeking over your balcony and being like, hey, um, <laughs> she's bearing down and pushing now I'm going to get her in the tub. And she was like, Oh, okay. I'm coming. It's like so nonchalant. It was really funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then we got you in the tub and yeah. And the, and the tub I was on, I think I was on hands and knees for like a little bit initially. And then I, I remember leaning over, like I was like, my belly was on the edge of the tub and I like had my hands on the floor outside the tub mm-hmm. And my like lower half was in the water and that in that position, I had a few contractions and it was, that's when my water broke. 
I remember feeling the pop and I remember being like, my water broke, my water broke. Um, and you can probably speak to this better than me, but I wasn't aware because I couldn't see it, but there was meconium. So that didn't really impact me at all because I didn't know. So I wasn't worried about it. Um, I know you and my midwife had like a little bit of interaction about that. Just like, oh, yeah. uh, I, I mean, don't know how worried that would make you. But normally at home birth, you transfer from meconium if it's like birth is not inevitable but like ha we weren't transferring your baby was born like a minute later um right. so we saw the meconium we looked at each other and exchanged like a hey like acknowledgement of it um just because it is something you want to be aware of sometimes babies come out and need a little bit of suctioning or a little bit of help if they swallow some of it so we like mutually acknowledged it and um went from there I mean yeah it was a, it nothing was a we good, could really do no nothing that baby was coming and um it was a nice little bit of meconium, but you know, meconium happens. It is, I don't want to call it normal necessarily, but it is fairly common. Um, and it's just a, a part of birth that, you know, happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, I'm glad I didn't, I'm glad I was turned around, didn't see it. Cause I probably would have been like, Oh no, is that bad? But, um, felt my water broke. And then as soon or felt my water break. And as soon as it broke, I felt him like, I swear I could feel every, bit of him moving down like I remember I think I even said like he's coming out he's coming out yeah it was like the next the very next contraction yeah yeah he just like made his way down fast (laughs) and I'll never forget that I don't I didn't feel that with my first because he was like just every he came out so much slower and this was just like like a rocket so um my midwife told me to roll over so that I was on my back. And I, she said, like, roll over so you can receive your baby on your chest. And now after the fact, I feel like – and what we've talked about, I know it's probably – there's more to it. Like, she thought that would be a better position for me to be in. So, like, if he needed help, you know, it was, like, ex- he was easily accessible to her and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, rolled – or with the help of my husband, rolled over because I felt like, you know, there's a bowling ball between my legs. So, I was, like – I think I even said, like, I don't think I can. Like, I think he, I'm going to have to have him like this. So, we rolled over and then it was – maybe the next contraction his whole head was out and then the next contraction his whole body was out so it wasn't I don't remember feeling like super painful the ring of fire people talk about I mean it's probably not the most comfortable thing but with both of my sons I don't remember them coming out as being that painful and going into birth the first time that was a hundred percent what I was most afraid of I wasn't afraid of the contractions but I was afraid of him being born that it would like rip me in two. I just was so afraid that there would be like all this damage and it would be so painful. And that just, I think in the moment you're so ready for your baby to be born. You just don't even care or think about it. No. So yeah, he came out and he did have the cord wrapped on around his neck. So my midwife slipped the cord off and then y'all noticed the knot. He had a knot in his cord too, which was, I found out later, like not super common Super but rare, super cool. Yeah. So just and that's a lot why of sometimes they things. they Liz described like, oh, I felt like he like shot out from sky high all the way, you know, out in in one fellow swoop. And I swear, babies with true knots, they do that on purpose because they know that if they come out slowly, as they come, I know people can't see me, but like the umbilical cord gets tighter and that knot can get tighter. So even means we talked about this after me and your midwife, like those babies who have those true knots, it's like, sometimes they wait up high. And then once the exit is cleared, they come flying because they don't want that knot to get tight 
and cut off any circulation before they can breathe air. Is there scientific evidence behind this? No, um, but it makes sense. Babies are really, really smart. And that's exactly what your baby did. And when he came out that, that knot did was a little bit more taut. There's no way it was that taut in utero. Um, right. He, he knew he had to make a quick, quick exit when he had the chance. And it's, it's just amazing how smart they are. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It's pretty incredible. Like how all those things lined up, but but yeah, he was born, let's see. So he was born, we spent some time on him just like on my chest in the tub. And then he was, he did need a little bit of help. Um, my midwife had me give him a couple breaths and then she, I don't ever remember what it's called. The little thing that they puff the air with. Like the bulb suction? Uh, was that what she, like it went over his mouth and she gave oh, him no, a couple. Oh no, she used like a, like a, um, like like a we bag it, yeah it's it's like a bag mask we call them neopuffs in the hospital but that's probably not right the, the right term because yours it was like a bag mask more so than gotcha. we have at home yeah so she gave him a couple puffs with that and then he started crying so um I don't feel like I was ever panicked or worried because she neither of you seemed panicked or worried and I think that's probably where I was kind of looking to for like should I be worried um and yeah he started crying and then my midwife had my husband take Landon and do some skin to skin. And we worked on birthing my placenta, which I don't, in the hospital with my first son, I don't really remember that being a thing. I just remember the midwife being like, okay, like push and like, we need to get your placenta out. And I like, don't even remember, like that was it. Um, but I was obviously in the birth pool and she actually had me stand up and like squat and like birth it that way. And feel like that was all pretty smooth. I did have a moment in the where before I stood up where I like, push and like this big like I kind of feel like there was a pop and there was like a lot of blood so mm-hmm. I was like oh is that normal but I think she said that was she thinks that was it just like detaching from yeah, the placenta releasing yeah and then yeah there wasn't any kind of abnormal amount of blood so everything looked good my midwife checked the placenta to make sure like all of it was there so you know obviously we want to make sure it's all out because I know that can cause issues if it's not so we felt good that we had gotten it all out and then I went to the bed and snuggled with Landon and had that golden hour time, which I feel like was probably more like two or three hours. Oh yeah. I don't know if that was in my head or not, but I feel like it was like a while. (laughs) Golden (laughs) three months. (laughs) Um, You guys were snuggling in that bed for weeks. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it was like holiday time. It truly was perfect. No better time to like not leave your bed than Christmas time. Um, and y'all have hung out for a while. I don't remember how long, but I feel like it was a while. You were like just yeah, both of you were like sitting on the bed with me and talking and the midwife did the newborn exam. So she like weighed him and measured his head and all of that, made sure his color was like continuing to improve. Um, I don't think of anything else major from like right immediate postpartum. He latched really well and easily. He's always been a really great eater. (laughs) (laughs) Chunky little guy. Yep. So then Um, kind of looking into like postpartum over those first few weeks, how were you doing? Good. Honestly, I feel like the first month postpartum, me and my husband were like, oh, like one to two. This is so easy. Like we're fine. And then it really came back, came back and kicked our butts at like two and a half months. So I don't know if it was probably like me starting to work again. And then like, there were just more factors being involved, but in the first like month or so it was beautiful. It was yeah. so much time just snuggling him. The first week, my husband's parents were at our house to help with our oldest. So me and Connor really got to just like focus on the baby and 
Yeah, a lot. I spent way more time just lying in bed with him this time than I did with our first because I think I just I didn't like everything went well with our first, but looking back, there were things where I was like, I wish I had done this and I wish I had done this. And that was one thing I wished I had just spent more time like laying down off my feet with the baby, not like walking around and entertaining and things like that. Yeah. And I think you having like help set up for your oldest for Cohen. So you could have this time with Landon was really important and such like a key factor, like having your parents in town and then also having your nanny, like continue, you know, over Mm -hmm. your maternity leave to be able to give you that time to rest and heal and be with your new baby is just, it makes such a difference to have that support. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with it with the nanny. I remember thinking like, should we maybe not have her come because I'm home anyway. And then as like, probably one weekend, I was like, I'm so glad she's still coming. Yeah, I, I definitely needed that time just to like rest and lie in. I think that's what they call it. Yes. And not chase around a toddler when you're, you know, a week postpartum. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That would have been near impossible. (laughs) Any other kind of like things that you can think of from postpartum healing, all that, that you want to share or. So one thing that was like probably the most and only stressful thing. I mean, there's probably other stressful things, but the main thing that was like hard um, with this pregnancy was when I had Landon there was a in gen you probably can't explain this better than me but I had that like hematoma which essentially was from what I understand when I had my first son I had like an internal tear and it had to be stitched up like by an OB because the midwife didn't feel comfortable doing it I think it was like an artery or something so she just felt like it was better for the um like a surgeon to do it. So when I had Landon that same place, it didn't like fully tear and like actively bleed, but it like, there was some, I mean, a hematoma is a bruise. Yeah. I guess guess swelling is the best way to say it. So that was like a little bit, my midwife saw it and she was like, let's ice it and like use Arnica and try to get it to go down on its own. But then when she came back the next day and looked at it, she was like, Oh, it's like a little bit like angry looking. I think you should get it looked at. So I did have, um, the hospital look at it and they just told me to leave it alone. And they, their biggest concern was infection, but it never got infected. It never caused any issues. It went away on its own. Um, I don't know if this is TMI, but when they looked at it, their feedback was like, because this wasn't like quote unquote repaired right away, like immediately, like the only way to really do anything about it, it sounds like would have been to catch it like the second it happened. And they could have tried to kind of like, um, pack it and stuff and avoid it from happening, which who, who knows if that would have even worked, but they were saying like, if you have pain later, like pain with sex or, you know, with anything else, like you may need to get like plastic surgery to fix it. So when they told me that like a few days postpartum, I was so afraid that I was going to have to like go back in six months later and get surgery and feel like I was like recovering from postpartum again. And it's compl- like, it completely, fixed itself. I have zero pain with anything. So I'm so thankful for that because that was a little bit of a scare, but like, and I don't regret going in, but at the same time, it's like everything resolved itself. Like, I feel like a lot of times your body just knows what to do. And, you know, I really 
it wasn't a complication looking back at it. We just thought it might be. So that was, that was a little bit stressful at the moment just because I was like worried it was going to become this whole huge thing, but it didn't. So that was good. Yes. I remember you being very worried about it. And, um, I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, I think it's just going to go away. It's just irritated, aggravated tissue swelling. I think if anything going in, they kind of stressed you out and freaked you out more when in the Mm -hmm. end they didn't do anything anyway. And like you said, everything healed, which was a a big blessing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm thankful that that all worked out. And, um, I think there was one other thing I was going to say with it about. Oh, with that is just the next, if we have another baby, there's, the question of like, is that likely to happen again? Are we worried about it happening again? Is it worth having the baby in the hospital just for that? Or like maybe a birth center where there might be, I don't know if they have like an OB on call in the birth center, or do I just have another home birth and hope that it doesn't happen or it happens again and it happens the same and it goes away on its own. So I think that's probably going to be a little bit of a thought the next time, just because it did become this like stressful thing for me for a week or two. Um, but I'll probably lean on you and the midwife and whoever, if and when we get pregnant again, to make that decision. Get a couple opinions and see kind of what everybody thinks after what happened last time. Yeah. It sounds like the timing too, like having them 19 months apart. My yeah. midwife seemed to think that could have played a fact or played into it just because my body didn't have as much time to like, I guess, completely heal from that first tear or it probably did completely heal, but maybe the scar tissue was weaker or something. So yeah, we'll see. Yes. TBD. We'll let you guys know in a few years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Definitely going to wait a little longer this time. (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Liz, thank you so much for just sharing your amazing home birth story. Um, I was so excited to have you on and, and have you share it and hear all about it. If you had to give one last thing, like a top piece of advice for a a mom, a new mom, a pregnant woman pertaining to anything, birth, labor, pregnancy, postpartum, what would like your one piece of advice be putting you on the spot? Oh man. (laughs) Oh, one is hard. I feel like, I feel like number one, I would have to say is make sure your birth team is like the right people who are the same like energy and like who have the same outlook on birth as you mm-hmm. because I think that can make like all the difference in the world. So I think that'd probably be my number one. And if I was giving a number two, it'd probably be like, just like, you gotta like listen to your mama gut and your instinct. Yeah. Because I think that that's like a real thing that people don't put enough weight on. They think that they should listen to like everyone else and not themselves. And I think there's a reason that we think the things we do and feel the way we feel. So birth team and yourself, And yeah, those would be my two biggest. Awesome. Well, I love both of those. I could not agree more. Have a great team. Build that team with people you love, you feel comfortable with, who have your best interest in mind. And yeah, listen to yourself because you do know your, you know, your body, it does speak to you in ways. And, you know, if something's not right, you're going to know it probably before anybody else. And if something doesn't feel right or whatever it may be, um, listen to that intuition because- you you often do know best truthfully for sure well thank you so yes. much it's great to see you and chat with you and I can't wait to hear all about your home birth so exciting. I know yes I will definitely record it probably very quickly after and um, I'm sure I'll talk to you about it 
too after it happens I'll send you pictures and everything but yes it was great talking with you thank you so much thank you have a good one Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.